Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, You Asked Why We Baptize, presented by Pastor Jerry Evans on June 5th, 2016. Floyd asked me to preach this message on baptism. I have had a conversation with a couple of men in the church recently about it, and this has absolutely nothing to do with my conversation with you. I want you to understand that uh, right up front. I don't do that. I don't use the pulpit or the music stand to do things like that. But several questions have been asked about baptism, and uh, I've never, ever brought a message on baptism. In a class like that, a one-on-one class or things like that, I've taken, you know, maybe 10 minutes to explain baptism and things like that. But this is the very first time I've ever been asked or felt to do one on baptism. So stick with me this morning. Let me read you some questions about baptism. Why water baptism or why baptism by immersion? Why is it being, why it's not being sprinkled New Testament baptism? What about childhood baptism? What about baptism before I received Christ as Savior? And why should I be baptized again if I was baptized before I received Christ into my life? What if I was baptized as as an infant? Why baptism at all? Is baptism necessary to enter heaven? I'll just answer that right now. No, but we'll cover that later. I was baptized by immersion after I came to know Jesus in another church. Do I have to be baptized again by so real? No, but I'll cover that later. But while you're thinking about it, I don't want to leave you there hanging. But these are a few of the questions that's been asked about baptism. And I think the place that we want to start this morning is where did baptism begin? And on your screen and in your notes that you got when you came in, look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 17. And as I read it, uh, think about it. Then Jesus came from Galilee. This is when Jesus was going into his ministry after he was 30 years old at that time, somewhere around 30 years old. Then he was going into his, his three and a half years before He would die on the cross for our sins. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. And this is John the Baptist, not John the disciple. John replied, Jesus replied, Let it be so now, as it is proper for us to do this, fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. I want you to underline, went up out of the water, and I'll come back to it later. It's an important part of that statement. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love, and I am well pleased. Jesus' baptism symbolized what he would do in about three or three and a half years, and that's die on the cross. It symbolized his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And I want you to think about baptism by immersion for just a moment. Whenever, think about the way Jesus was baptized, when he was put under the water, that was a picture of his death and burial. And when John brought him out of the water, that was a picture of his resurrection. So we think right away that, that if Jesus was, why was Jesus baptized? He was baptized in order to symbolize what he would be doing. 
And when we're baptized, that makes us identify with Jesus. And there's a lot more I'll cover as we walk through here. Let me say this about baptism. Me trying to explain baptism to you is probably like trying to pray, uh, to play, I should say, not pray, but play Beethoven's Fifth Symphony on harmonica. And if you have any music at all, you understand that harmonica is so inadequate, you couldn't do that. So it's difficult sometimes, as other things are in Scripture, to try to explain a doctrine that's important. So, uh, and that's kind of the way I feel like the harmonica trying to explain, trying to play the uh, Fifth Symphony of of uh, uh, Beethoven on a harmonica. I can't play a harmonica anyway. You know. The danger is that some people take baptism so lightly as if it's just nothing to it. But baptism is special. It's a holy moment. And it ought to be special when you are baptized. And you shouldn't be baptized because of pressure from someone else. It should originate in your heart. Wanting to be baptized should come from the heart. And that way it's so special. And, and, and some people take it lightly. And some people take it more seriously. And uh, uh, really they almost deify baptism. And that's not what Scripture intends. I think probably as the pendulum swings, it probably needs to stop in the middle of those between taking it lightly and almost deifying it. Baptism ought to be special when you are baptized. And what you're doing when you're baptized is making a public statement that you have received Christ into your life. I remember when I was baptized as a very young adult, and it was special. And uh, it ought to be special to all of us when we're, when we're baptized. But if you're coerced into it, it's not that special. That's why it needs to start in your heart, and the desire for it should be in your heart. And by the way, if you've been scripturally baptized, you don't have to be baptized by soul real. And as we walk through this, you'll see what New Testament baptism is and uh, can identify with it perhaps a lot more. A person is saved by not by baptism, clear that up right now. But the Bible says in Ephesians uh, 2.8, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For by the grace of God, which grace means goodness, by the goodness of God are you saved through faith. Faith that Jesus died on the cross, that he paid for your sins. Faith that if we ask him to forgive our sins, he does that. So when it says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and then it goes on and explains, it's not by works. It's not by, baptism is a work, so it's not by works. If it was by works, if we could do something to work our way to heaven, then it would be by works. And there are people out there that teach that works takes you to heaven. There's even one church that teaches that, uh, and ladies, you won't appreciate this very much if you've had a child, they're going to be eternally pregnant in heaven. And they have lots of children on earth, so the more children they have, the higher they'll be. That's works. It's obviously a false, false teaching. But by God's own declaration, the act of baptism is, is given to us to identify with Jesus, with him. 
is to let people know what's already happened to us, that we've been converted. New converts, people who just pray to receive Christ. If you're here today and you pray to receive Christ sometime during this service, you would be called a new convert. Are always encouraged to do that as soon as possible. You say, well, why? Because baptism, listen to me, folks, carefully. Because baptism is an act of obedience. And I would just say right now, as I, as I am on this, any area of our life that we're disobedient in keeps us from having a right relationship with God. You can, you can join the church. You can go to church every Sunday, read your Bible, pray, do all that kind of stuff. But when there are areas of our life that we're disobedient in, we cannot have, that, we cannot have a right relationship with him. You can look at, and baptism is one of those areas. Scriptural baptism is important because when you do it, you have become obedient to God. It's like giving back to God generously. If, you're, if you don't give back to God generously, that's disobedience. And when I say give back, I don't mean just money. Money is part of it. And, and by the way, where your, your uh, heart is, that's where your money is. But I'm talking about time and talent and serving God. So we give back to him. But if we're disobedient in those areas, and I honestly believe that you can never have a right relationship because disobedience is sin. And when we have a continuing, intentional disobedience, that's sin. And we all sin, and we do what the Bible says, confess our sins. God has forgiven our sins, but we have to agree with God about our sin. He does forgive. But I'm talking about willingly, not giving back to God, knowing you're not doing that in all those areas. Baptism is the same way. If you have come to know Christ as your Savior and haven't been baptized, and you may be serving God and doing everything you can, but you're still being disobedient. And I know that's strong. I know that's confrontive. But that's Scripture, folks. That's not what I say. It's what God says. Now, number two on your outline there, did Jesus tell us to baptize? He certainly did. Actually, and listen to this, baptism is not an option. In the Bible, there are not a lot of multiple choices. Jesus commanded to be, us to be baptized. So baptism, he didn't just tell us to. He commanded us to. He gave us that precept. In your notes there, you've got Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which many of you know that it's called the Great Commission. And the other part of the Great Commission is back over in Acts 1, 8. But let's look at Matthew 28, 18. It'll be on your screen or it'll be, uh, yeah, there we go. Yep. Then Jesus came to them, and this is just before he ascended to heaven. It was after his death, burial, and resurrection, and he was instructing the disciples, not just the uh the 12 disciples, but he was actually probably, there were probably 500 people present in their Bible history that tells us that, and that's not in Scripture, but I believe he was giving it to a lot more than just his close disciples. Here's what he said. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. Therefore, go 
and make disciples of all nations. Here's the key. Baptizing them. Underline the word baptize if you've got a pen on your notes there. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end. Throughout the book of Acts. Acts, the book of Acts is the record of the early New Testament church. So if you want to know what the New Testament church did, read through the book of Acts. And I want to pull some out of Acts to show you about baptism. But throughout the book, it's, it's closely associated with uh, people who just pray to receive Christ. It's doing it as soon as they can after their conversion. Acts 2.41. Is that in your notes, Acts 2.41? I don't remember if I put it in there or not. <coughs> Write it down if I didn't. 3,000 souls were converted to Pentecost and were immediately baptized. Now, Floyd and the rest of the pastors, I don't know how long it would take us to baptize 3,000 people. I mean, I, I was thinking about it this week, and I thought, you know, if you've got five people baptizing and you baptize all at one time, but I couldn't figure it out. But it would be a great problem to have to figure out how we would baptize 3,000 people. But they were baptized as soon as they were converted. As soon as the Ethiopian eunuch uh, believed in Christ, Acts 8.38 says he stopped his chariot so he could be baptized. Paul, when Paul was, came to know Christ, when he was on his way to Damascus, it says after he received his sight, his, he was baptized. So he was baptized immediately. When Cornelius, over in Acts 10, it says all of he and all of his household came to know the Lord, told them to be baptized in the name of Christ. As unbelievers in Corinth, uh, over in Acts 18, as they were being, came to know Christ, it says they were being baptized. So if you write those scriptures down and look it up, it'll help you understand that baptism should come immediately after you receive Christ in your life. In the, in the context of the Great Commission, really it's almost like baptism and salvation are synonymous. They're used together, although baptism is not a necessity for salvation. But that's part of being a disciple. That's a step in being his disciple. Now, baptism, when we baptize, we say we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, our Holy Spirit. Why do we do that? That's what Jesus said here. He said, go teach and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But there's nothing magic about that. We don't have to do that, but we do it because we read in Scripture. If you were baptized by immersion and nobody said that, that's okay. You're still scripturally baptized. But Jesus said baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The name baptism, when we talk about those three things, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it's not a, a sacramental form here. Now, it's just seen, in, in, if we walk through the book of Acts a moment ago, we see people being baptized and I use that when I baptize uh, and you know I, I understand why I use it and I want people that I baptize to understand that so I usually explain it to them but first of all baptism is an ordinance there are two ordinances that Jesus gave us one was the Lord's Supper or communion communion and baptism now there's people who believe they're 
churches that teach that baptism is a sacrament. So what is the difference between a sacrament and an ordinance? A sacrament means it's necessary for salvation. And there are churches that teach that you have to be baptized and you have to take communion in order to go to heaven. That's in addition to Jesus. That's adding works onto receiving Christ. Now, you say, well, what, what, is a, what is an ordinance? How is it different from a sacrament? Well, just remember that an ordinance is not necessary for salvation. We practice it because Jesus told us to do it. Communion and baptism. Um, we follow the ordinance of being obedient. Number three on your outline, let's look at believers' baptism. And part of the reason for this sermon today is explaining what a believer's baptism is, or we could say biblical believer's baptism. And by that I mean what the Bible teaches about how believers should be baptized. For some of you, right baptism is something you may want to get in order. In other words, if you came to know Christ after you were baptized, why do you need to be baptized again? Because when you were baptized and you were not a believer, you just made a decision, went forward or whatever. If you did that, then baptism didn't really have the meaning that it should have. So it should come after you received Christ. When I went to pastor a church in uh, central Texas, I spent the first few months baptizing church members. The first Sunday I preached, I don't remember what I preached on, but somewhere or another I mentioned about baptism being out of order. And this lady in her 50s came forward, and she said, Pastor, I was baptized as an older teenager or young adult. I forgot which one. And she said, I really received Christ in my life when I was 29 years old. She said, I have been living in disobedience since I was 29, and I need to make it right. And Sharon was the first one that we baptized there at Southside, the best I remember. So she got her baptism in order. She knew all along that she should be baptized. And afterwards, you know, in visiting with her, it was just a burden off of her shoulders because she had put it off for that many years. Um, so for some of you here today, you may have been baptized before you received Christ into your life. And at the end of the service, we're going to have a time that you can make it right by telling uh, some of us that you want to be baptized, that you need to be baptized but remember that baptism coming to know Christ as Savior the Bible teaches that there's four things four necessary ingredients for baptism let me give you another testimony about baptism and why it's important the first church back and I went to serve in uh, 1982 I believe when we went into vocational ministry and Went to Texas and went to seminary. Becky, they had us, the church asked us to give our testimony when we went there uh, in view of a call or would we be hired or whatever. And Becky gave her testimony that night and she said, it told about her. She was baptized when she was 13 years old. And to make a long story short, she was rebaptized when she was in her 20s. And her giving that testimony before the people, at the end of the service, uh, when the invitation was given, a woman came forward. Her name was Carolyn, and she went to Becky. Becky was there, and she said, you know what? 
I was not scripturally baptized, and I need to be baptized. So that's what the church did was I think they baptized her before we, we went there. But she really understood that she was baptized in a church. She knew the Lord, but she was baptized by sprinkling. Sprinkling is not New Testament baptism. The word baptized, listen to this, how close it is. The word baptized in the original language, the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. The word baptized is called baptizo. It even sounds like baptism. The word baptizo means to cover or to submerge in water. And we're going to look at going down into the water in, in just a moment. The word in English is baptized. The word in Spanish, and I hope I say this right, is baptismo. Uh, anybody speak Spanish, want to correct me, that's okay, but it's something like that. So even those three words, and we go back to the original language and realize that baptized means to cover or to submerge in water. Now, if, if, if it says that, uh, I guess we talk about the proper person, uh, that's the first ingredients that it takes. The Ethiopian, uh, if you read in Acts chapter 8, he wanted to know about the Lord, and Philip, who was a, not a pastor or a preacher, but he was a member of a church, told him about it. In fact, he was walking along inside of his, the Ethiopian chariot and believed uh, in Christ. And here's what he that the Ethiopian became a believer. He, he believed in Christ. And here's what it says in Acts 36, beginning in 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why, should I be ba- why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders for the chariot to stop. Then he and Philip and the eunuch, he, Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. Underline the words, went down into the water. Now, if he was going to be sprinkled, they would just dip some water out and pour it on his head or sprinkle it on his head. But he went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And if you look, if, if you look up in the New Testament, when you look at the word baptized, you'll find the word baptizo, again, which means to cover or to submerge in water. Then it says they came up out of the water, and he went away rejoicing. Wow. I think this is a support for baptism after salvation, not before salvation. And it also supports baptism by immersion, by putting us under the water when we're baptized. The second ingredient, and it's on your outline there, is proper meaning. Please understand that baptism is not an act that saves us, but we, we still need to do it in a way that it's what the New Testament taught, what Jesus taught. And that's by uh, the proper meaning is it's an act of obedience. It's like this ring I've got on my finger. This is my wedding band. And some of you hope to have one sometime. Young people, I hope you you find one, have one. I wear that ring as a symbol of who I belong to. And I belong to this lady right here named Becky. When you look at my hand, you see my ring. So it symbolizes the fact that I am married, and it gives me identity with her or her with me. Uh, Just think about that. I I always use the ring when I'm trying to explain baptism. But, uh, again, it's not what saves us. It didn't save me from getting married. 
It made me married. But baptism doesn't make you a believer. It's when you pray to receive Jesus as your Savior. And the reason we're baptized again, it's a witness. It's a witness to what you've already done, that you've already received Christ into your life. And you're... and. Uh, and letting people know about it. And uh, there are three reasons we ought to be baptized. Obedience. You're confessing your faith. As some people say, you're professing or confessing your faith before others when you're baptized. Does it have to be done in the church? No. I baptize in swimming pools, in a creek. You know what a creek is? That's another word for creek. <laughs> oh. In fact, when Becky was baptized, the first time she was baptized in a creek, uh, didn't have a baptistry in the church. But you are publicly professing that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. And number three, identifies. It identifies you with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Think about this. Think about how it pictures the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Think about, let's say this is water. Think about water and a person standing in the water and whenever the person goes under the water again that's a picture of the death and burial and when we bring the person out of the water that's a picture of the resurrection but even standing in the water is like a cross now, I didn't get that out of scripture but I believe that truly looks like that when we do it but think about it um, think about it being an act of obedience and the third ingredient is the proper method. And we've talked enough about the method already, about doing it by immersion uh, and what it means and why it should be done by immersion. You say, well, am I going to go to heaven, been to heaven, been, been, been baptized? <laughs> yes, you will. But I hope that your heart, in your heart, that if you've not been scripturally baptized, that God will give you that desire and you will be baptized by the proper method and also get your baptism in order. If you're here today and you receive Christ as your Savior, then the first thing you need to do is let Florida, one of us, know that you, you did, and when you do that, we'll baptize you. We'll either baptize you in a... Do we have a horse trough? Is that what we do use? Big bucket, okay. Or we'll baptize you in a swimming pool somewhere. And there's a fourth thing. I said three ingredients, but there's a fourth thing. Proper authority. Any believer can baptize. I grew up in churches that believe only the lead pastor or senior pastor could baptize, which is not true. The Ethiopian was baptized by Philip, who was not a pastor. I baptized my own son. And whenever children get saved, if they're of mother or father walking with the Lord, I encourage them to baptize the child. Used to, people would turn up their nose at a woman baptizing, but, you know, if a woman's a believer, why shouldn't she baptize? So a lot of times when I was a lead pastor, the mother and father would be in the baptistry, and they would either baptize together, or the father would baptize with the mother there, or some similar to that. But we always made sure that they were they had been scripturally baptized themselves, and uh, hopefully they were walking with the Lord before we did that. So think about it. The proper person, we've given you that. The proper meaning, the proper method, 
and the proper authority. Jesus gave the commission to be baptized, and we do that. If you don't take, and this note's on your, uh, this is what I'm going to read you is on your notes, so please remember that. If you don't take anything else from here today, remember that baptism is not an act that saves us. The act is an act that symbolizes we are saved. The invisible work of the Holy Spirit is dramatized in water. Now, you say, well, what keeps from being baptized? What keeps people from being baptized? Sometimes it's pride. And I guess I can't say this about many of you men because most of you don't have much hair. Don't want to get their hair wet. I'm, I'm serious. I've heard that as an excuse. Uh, it's sometimes people don't want to get their baptisms in order because they feel embarrassed because everybody thought they were already a believer and been baptized. No, it doesn't matter. If you were a believer, that's the important thing. But don't be afraid to let us know that you need to be scripturally baptized if that's your heart's desire. And sometimes people don't get baptized because they don't fully understand the necessity of it, the reason for it. And I hope through today's that you understand more about baptism than ever before, and maybe you can t- explain it to other people. Maybe you're here today and you were baptized as an infant. You didn't know what baptism meant as an infant. And I go back to the fact that you need to be baptized after you receive Christ into your life. Uh, and some people hang on to those kind of things. I want you right now just to close your eyes. And I ask you to close your eyes just to shut out people around you. Would you do that? Just close your eyes for a moment. There'll be one of the pastors at the back. I'm going to ask Floyd and Janice to come stand up here. And, and uh, uh, Jason, would you come and stand up here? And see, Matt's going to be playing in the band, aren't you? Okay. Now, I want to do this first. If you're here today and you've never received Christ in your life, you can do that right now. And here's what you do. I'm going to pray short phrases of a prayer, and I want you to repeat after me. It's not the words. It's what you're believing in your heart. Dear God, I know that I've sinned knowing that a sin is anything that doesn't please you. I'm sorry of my sins. I realize Jesus died for me. He paid for my sins. I receive Jesus Christ right now as my Savior and asking you to forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ 
committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.